Acts 27, verse 1 through 28, verse 10, these are God's words. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adramitium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coasts of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us, and the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, city of Lysia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days, and arrived with difficulty off Nidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmone. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lysaea. Now when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster, and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest, and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called a Euryclidean, or Euryclidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive, and running her under, and running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the surface sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men... You should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land, and they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. When they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. 
as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without eating food, without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, there were two, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw, the, threw out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But, striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves, <coughs> and the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded, those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, some on boards, some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Now when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island. His name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to him and prayed. He laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. In the Christian life, there is always more than meets the eyes. We see so little, and we understand so little of what we see. To the eye of sight, it looks like Paul is bound and his life is constantly in danger in danger from storm in danger from shipwreck in danger from soldiers who don't want to lose prisoners 
and danger from venomous snakes. But to the eye of faith, Paul must bear witness at Rome. As he had been told all the way back in chapter 23 and verse 11, he must be brought before Caesar, as he's told again now, in verse 24 of chapter 27. The eye of faith believes God that it was just as it was told me. And so there's a lot in the Christian life where um, you have to choose between believing what your eye thinks it sees and how things seem to be going. Uh, you have to choose between that and what God has said. And faith says, if it's between the Bible and how things look, well then, how things look comes from my eye. The Bible comes from God. And between those two, I believe God. And so the wording in verse 20, uh, 25 is very important. I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. And so he's weighing two sources of truth against one another. So Christians are those who walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, faith doesn't uh, let go and let God. Uh, faith works. Faith walks according to wisdom. Faith knows that this is God's world uh, and that what actual knowledge we have, what right knowledge we have, and what wisdom we have uh, from this world, uh, we should employ trusting God to produce whatever his wise and good providence decides is best to produce. Uh, and so faith doesn't say, I know that this is the wrong time to sail, but let's go on anyway and see what happens. Uh, maybe God will save us. No, faith says this is the wrong time to sail. We've learned that from God's world. He makes things predictable and observable and learnable uh, intentionally. Uh, and uh, and so I perceive that if we, uh, uh, if we try to sail now, it will be uh, with great loss. Faith does things like, uh, I know that you think superstitiously with all the gods that you serve, that if you keep on not eating, things will be better. But I have God's word, and I understand God's world well enough uh, to know that nourishment is a good idea uh, if you're going to have to be battling for your life in the morning. Faith sees the cold and the rain. It works alongside everyone else, gathering sticks and laying them on the fire. Uh, so faith works. Not working isn't faith. Uh, it's unbelief. First, we believe God's word, but then we also work trusting God's providence. And we trust that God hears us. So faith trusts what God says to us. Faith trusts the wisdom that God has uh, given us as we understand his world. Faith trusts God's providence. And faith trusts that it's heard by God. Paul talked, uh, was it the captain? No, the, the centurion. Paul talked to the centurion, and the centurion didn't listen to Paul. He listened to the helmsman and the owner of the ship, which if you're a centurion uh, and you're trying to make ship decisions, those aren't exactly necessarily terrible people to listen to. Uh, if he had known who Paul was and what Paul's experiences were, and especially that Paul is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, he might have listened to him on every subject over anyone else. But Paul speaks to the centurion and he isn't listened to. But there is someone he can always speak to and know that that one listens to him, and that's God. And we find out what Paul has been asking him for when the angel shows up uh, and says, 
Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought from before, before Caesar. And indeed, what else has God has Paul been praying for? God has granted you all those who sail with you. Uh, 276 persons. Verse 37. And so faith uh, walks and faith works, but faith also prays. Uh, it prays uh, for the good of uh, itself and the brethren and even neighbors uh, because he prays to the God who is good. Uh, Paul is on a mission uh, for the preaching of the gospel uh, to the nations uh, and he is imitating God's love uh, for others by his desire that all those on his uh, on the ship would be saved. Since providence is personal, since we know that that God is the one who uh, is at work in the world, we pray for things uh, that a natural man could not hope for. Uh, notice that uh, it was after all hope that we would be saved was finally given up, verse 20. And that Paul is still praying at the, and that the angel comes and gives him reports to him, the answer to his prayer. Faith can pray to God for and hope in God for things that the natural man doesn't think is possible. And we should remember that when praying not only for the earthly good of our neighbors, uh, but especially when praying uh, for the eternal good uh, of our neighbors. Uh, You notice also Paul uh, didn't just pray for uh, the 276 on the ship, but when he gets uh, to Malta uh, and he finds uh, Publius's dad, Sick and uh, uh, sick with fever and dysentery, and he goes in and he prays for him and lays his hands on him and heals him. Uh, and so uh, Paul prays for him. And when verse nine says, "When this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came uh, and were healed." The implication is in the same way. Uh, and we must, uh, when we read Paul's prayers. Uh, in all of his letters conclude, it's uh, impossible not to conclude that Paul is praying more than just for the earthly good, that men would make it safely off the ship, that uh, that these who have diseases would be healed. Uh, but he's faith prays because it knows God and it cares about what God cares about. And so faith uh, doesn't just walk in wisdom and pray for others' good. Uh, It prays as as, uh, one who desires company, desires that others would know our God, would belong to our God, that desires others, that others would worship God. This is how Paul identifies God, the God to whom I belong and the God whom I worship. Uh, But indeed, we know that his desire is that all would belong to him in the way that Paul belongs to him, that all would worship God, in the way that Paul worships God, that they would stop being superstitious and idolatrous like these citizens of Malta and realize that it's actually more powerful to belong to the one true God uh, than it would have been to be uh, one of these imaginary deities that they thought were gods. Faith desires for others to belong to God and worship God. And so I hope that you have faith, that you know that even if others don't listen to you, God always listens to you. Doesn't mean he always does what you say, 
because he knows better than you. But he always listens to you. I hope you know that the Lord protects you and helps you. And there's nothing that can harm you or destroy you so long as God has work left for you to do in this uh, this world. And he will at last save you out of every trouble. I hope that you don't think that it's um, trusting God to not try hard or to not use wisdom. He commands us to work and he gives us wisdom. Uh, I hope you uh, do things like your school because this world belongs to God and the more wisdom and skill and knowledge you accumulate, the better you'll be able to walk in wisdom. And I hope you care about others, desire their good, pray for their good, earthly good too, like the men on the ship and Publius's dad and the rest of the island of Malta, but especially eternal good. That you who enjoy belonging to God and you who enjoy worshiping God would desire that others would enjoy the same, belonging to him and worshiping him. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this portion of your word. We pray that you would bless it to us and give us to live in knowledge of you and fellowship with you, that we would know you to be the God to whom we belong and the God whom we worship, and that with our hearts then being conformed to Christ's heart, we would desire and pray for others' good, earthly and eternal. Help us, Lord, to work as those who know that you are blessing it unto whatever your goodness and wisdom have purposed. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.